This is Photo Biz X, episode number 353, and today we're talking advanced LinkedIn tactics for photographers. Our special guest is Yakov Smart, and that interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. If you're listening to the episode as it goes live which is the 17th of March, 2020. You will know that we are in crazy times with the coronavirus at the moment. And because of that, well, yeah, I guess because of that, I'm going to change things around for this episode. We're going to have the announcements and a bit of of a chat before the interview. And uh, I'm going to place the interview at the very end for today's episode. Hopefully the reasons for that will become apparent as we go on. And I guess it's important to understand for you as a listener, it really depends on where you live in the world as to how you're being affected by the coronavirus at the moment, because different governments have different rules in place depending on where you live. In regards to photography and your business, I I am hearing different things. So uh, I guess let me state right from the start, I am not an expert on the coronavirus, so I won't be answering questions on the virus you know uh, i'm getting i guess the same information as you are from social media the news online news reports and uh, government announcements as well so i'm going to try and keep things on track as far as photography business goes and my aim is to help you through this period as best i can i'm going through the same things you are right now maybe not to the same degree because i do live in australia but yeah, life life is being turned upside down right now. Interestingly, I'm hearing both sides of reports about how photography business has been affected. Uh, I'm hearing about cancellations. Yes, they, they are real and they are happening, particularly if you are a commercial photographer, a headshot photographer, a wedding photographer. Uh, I'm hearing less about families cancelling, certainly in Australia, but I know that families are cancelling uh, portrait photography sessions in other parts of the world. So yes, cancellations are happening. And uh, we're going to talk about some ways that you can deal with that or potentially minimise the effect of those cancellations. On the other hand, I'm hearing and reading about these incredible success stories. I know inside the members' Facebook group, there's been reports of fantastic response to Facebook ads. Uh, I've been working personally with another photographer based in Melbourne. Their ads are still getting a, a great response. They're booking in sessions. People are responding to the ads. They're taking phone calls. Everything is running pretty much as normal. Again, this is in Australia. So it does well, actually in saying that, that the, the first photographer I was referring to, Ashley, uh, she's running her Facebook ads in the United States at the moment. She's having tremendous success. I'm reading from another post inside the members Facebook group from Jeffrey Clark or Jeff Clark. Uh, he's based not far from me in New South Wales. And he has literally posted minutes ago that not one of my clients has hesitated to read the virus. I have 50 shoots on the books over the next month and do not expect any of them to reschedule due to virus worries. So 
yeah, it really depends on where you are. One thing I can see from Jeff is that he has a really positive outlook. And yes, things may change in Australia. You know, we may go into lockdown and then he will have to reschedule. But I think that the message from Jeff and also from me is to stay positive while things are positive. Do what you can to generate your bookings, generate your leads, get people booked in for sessions. Once you have the shoot done, particularly if you're happy to do the shoot, and that's that's the caveat here, you know, are you comfortable to go ahead and keep shooting? If you are, then do those, get those booked in as quick as you possibly can because once you have the sessions done, then you have the potential to make sales, whether that's virtually or in person, again, depending on how you want to take action in regards to the coronavirus. Now, if if you're in the other camp and you're facing cancellations, things aren't looking so so rosy at all, and you're going to have to make some changes. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is you need to make some cost cuts, you know, reduce your outgoings as best you possibly can. I know, again, in Europe, uh, there is a lot of government help that's starting to be talked about. And, uh, you know, if you can get in front of that, if you can reduce your outgoing costs, do what you can to do that. I made the suggestion of cancelling Netflix. Lena <laughs> told me that was absolutely ridiculous. That wouldn't be happening. So yeah, you have to look at your own household expenses and, uh, and make those cuts, sorry, those cost cuts where you can in, in regards to personal expenses and also your business expenses as well. In addition to that, I I would encourage you to look at making sales to your past clients. You know, do you have digital files? Do you have print products? Can you make additional sales to past clients? If you're a wedding photographer, I talked a few months ago about uh, about selling the, the negatives and digital files to our very early clients, which generated over twenty thousand uh, dollars. You know, in I think it was over a month. You know, it was a matter of Linda getting in contact with the clients and uh, offering them at a special price. So look at things you can do to generate income via your past clients. I would also encourage you to stay in touch with your clients, whether that's existing clients, uh, leads that are on the go at the moment, past clients. And you can do that via Facebook. You can do that via so- well, any social media platform, but via email, particularly if you have their email addresses, stay in contact with your past clients, particularly if you're rescheduling. You, know, you want to keep that excitement going in the lead up to their shoot, whenever that may happen. And it's not a, I'm not talking about staying in touch with them daily, but People will be focused on their families, on their loved ones during these times. People are going to want to have photos once they get past this. And if you want proof of that, go back and have a listen to the interview that I recorded with Catherine Williams from New Zealand. And this was in response to the bushfires that happened in Australia, that were happening in Australia a few months ago. It's crazy to think we went through that, then floods, and now now this coronavirus. But that interview with Catherine Williams, she lost her studio, two studios in succession to earthquakes in New Zealand. I think it was uh, nine or 10 years ago from memory. And business has absolutely thrived for her since that catastrophe. I mean, it it looked like it was, I was going to say life ending, but business ending in regards to the catastrophe of losing the studio twice, you know, over a 12 month period, just unfathomable to, to, to imagine going through that. But talking to Catherine, you know, so many years on, it wasn't as bad 
as it looked and seemed at the time, and business has absolutely thrived for her since then. I've got links to to this interview in the show notes uh, for today's episode if you're looking for that, but go back through the, the podcast feed and you will find that interview with Catherine Williams from New Zealand. And I can tell you also, uh, if you do have a listen to that interview, I've got a follow-up interview uh, scheduled with Catherine as well for, uh, in the coming months. In regards to staying in touch with your existing clients, whether this is clients that you need to reschedule, clients for a portrait photography business or a wedding photography business, there's a great resource that has been put together by Anna Sorwin of Pencil and Lens, and she's got these swipe files that she's created. So you can download these swipe files for free. Uh, you need to use your email address to access the swipe files, but there's seven different emails for different scenarios that you can tweak and customize for yourself, for your business to use for blogging, for email, on social media. These are beautifully written. She's a copywriter. Uh, She's been interviewed on the show uh, in the early days. She's amazing at what she does and she's provided this for free for us. Uh, You can access that at photobizx.com forward slash P and L. P and L, that's for pencil and lens, not profit and loss. (laughs) Uh, I think if you don't laugh at some of these things, uh, you'd be be crying, wouldn't you? So go and check out those resources from Anna Sorwin if you're struggling with what to say or what you could say to your existing clients uh, about the business or about your business moving forward. I know you'll find something in there to customize for yourself. Uh, I think I've got a couple of examples here. Let me just have a quick look. Okay, so there are swipe files here for if you are not closing your portrait studio Uh, If you're temporarily closing your studio, if you are talking to clients who want to reschedule their sessions and you're remaining open, whether you want to cancel or reschedule a portrait or wedding event for your own needs. So there's all these different options. There's a few more in here. Have a look at this resource. I know you'll get uh, use out of this if you're struggling with what to say to your clients. And talking about resources, I've linked to a fantastic resource from Chris Scott, from Swift Galleries. He has provided a a fantastic resource if you are looking at selling virtually. So doing in-person sales online, he's he's got a resource. He's making it available for free. It's one hour to virtual in-person sales. I've linked to that in the show notes as well. And Chris has been super generous with this. There's no upsells. There's no sneaky sales tactics. He, He literally wants to help you with your business. So If you're one of these photographers that is able to carry out your sessions and you normally do in-person sales, but it gets to a stage where you can't do that or your clients don't want to or you don't want to do in-person sales because of the virus, then this is a great way to move forward with your sales. So you do virtual in-person sales. This one-hour course will help you do that to get that implemented up and running in your business. So again, I've got links to that in the show notes for today's episode. I should tell you the show notes for today's episode are at photobizx.com forward slash 353. Now, in addition to the things we've already covered, don't forget if you are in some kind of a lockdown, it is important to keep working on your business. In addition to family time and uh, you know reading books and watching Netflix, Work on your business. Use that time to to be productive, to work on your website, to tweak your SEO, to write blog posts, to get better at recording video, learn about Facebook ads, get into the Facebook ads manager, learn a new technique, practice with your studio lighting, shoot macro photography. I mean, there are so many things you probably have on a list of 
ideas that you want to implement or learn or introduce into your business, take the chance to go and do that. Uh, there's so, so many things you can learn online uh, and then you can go away and practice those within your home. You don't need to be outside. Use your kids, use your partner, use your pets to practice the things that you learn. And if you're a Photo BizX Premium member, let's use the Facebook group. Let's utilize the group. Let's share the things that we're doing. If you need help with something, post in there. If I can't help you, I know one of the other members will be able to. Let's keep making progress uh, on our businesses. Let's not just throw the towel in and uh, binge watch Netflix for the next two weeks or for however, however long the, the lockdown is. And you know what? In saying all that, use the time to have a rest too. I mean, if you've been overworked, if you've been under the pump, don't, don't be afraid, don't feel guilty to take an afternoon nap, have a day off, spend some time with your family, play games, read books, veg out, take a nap. I think I already said take a nap. I love an afternoon nap if I can get one in. Sleep in, make breakfast in bed for your, for your partner or spouse. Yeah, use the time how you want to to make life better for you. And if you feel up to it, Document the experience, you know, start documenting what it's like to be in lockdown or to go through this period in time. I mean, who knows, this may be the one and only time you ever go through this, that we ever go through this as a, as a planet, uh, and your experience is going to be different to mine. So, you know, document these experiences, whether that's in, in, with images, with photography, or uh, in copy, if you, if you want to write and, and practice writing, do that or do both. Write blog posts, create social media posts, uh, document what you're going through at this time. Alrighty, that's enough from me about about that stuff. Uh, we're going to move on with the rest of the show, and and what I plan to do moving forward is is keep producing the kind of interviews, the kind of episodes that that I do produce every week. I want to keep you motivated. I want to keep you inspired to keep working in your business, to give you ideas, to feed your marketing and advertising creativity and to, to keep you motivated to work on your business. So uh, I hope that each episode won't be focused on the coronavirus and social distancing and confinement. <laughs> That's a terrible word. I'm going to try and keep things as normal as possible and keep doing what I know how to do best in regards to the, to the podcast. Um, I'm not the expert on the virus, but let's Let's utilize the Facebook group, stay in touch and support each other through whatever it is that you're going through. And now, a macro look at our last episode. In last week's episode, I interviewed Philip Warren. He is a successful wedding photographer based in the UK, but the focus of the interview with Philip was mini sessions, and in particular, profitable Christmas mini sessions for any photographer. If if you've been looking for a way to introduce mini sessions profitably into your business, get back and have a listen to that interview with Philip. I know the focus is Christmas mini sessions, but I also am 100% confident that you better take what Philip shares in that interview and apply it to any kind of mini sessions that you want to carry out. He talks all about creating the set, the way he lights, the way he shoots, the way he sells, his prices. He goes into complete detail on everything about profitable mini sessions get back and have a listen to that one with philip warren if you haven't heard it yet you're listening to photo biz exposed with your host andrew helmich
talking about projects and having time to try new things, if you've ever considered creating your very own podcast, that is a topic that I covered when I was interviewed for the Fujicast by Neil James and Kevin Mullins. That episode has been released uh, today over at the Fuji cast. It was Neil James who interviewed me for that episode. Have a listen to that one if you're interested in learning more about uh, me, PhotobizX, setting up your own photography podcast, whether it's focused on business or to serve your existing clients. We tackle the, the topic from a couple of different angles. There's also some great stuff there from Neil and Kevin's on the new Fuji cameras. You do not have to be a Fuji camera user to enjoy and love the kind of content that Neil and Kevin put out each week on the Fujicast. I've got links to it in the show notes, but you can find the Fujicast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I do have links in the show notes for today's episode. And talking about Neil, if you haven't heard his interview on photo films, definitely get back and have a listen to that one because I know that when that was released, a bunch of listeners went on to buy Zoom H1 audio recorders and started introducing audio, uh, particularly into their engagement shoots and portrait sessions, and they had phenomenal results. So Neil goes into detail on how to set up and create and record your very own photo film. So basically you're recording audio from your clients and using that in conjunction with the still images that you photograph. So you create a slideshow with some audio. It will blow your clients away. It gives you a whole new product to sell. And this could be the perfect thing to go and investigate if you have some time to learn something new or you're excited about introducing something new like this into your business. I'll link to that episode in the show notes for today's episode as well. <laughs> I normally save the shout outs for after the interview towards the back end of the show, but I wanted to share this email that I received from Sven Lungberg in Holland just last day. He's reasonably new to photography. He's a premium member and he started implementing some of the things that he's hearing on the show. What I love is that well, first of all, that he's gone away to implement some of the things that he's, hear, that he's hearing on the show, but he's having a ton of success with that. Uh, let me read through some of the things that he's done that he says in the email here. Uh, he's used Studio Ninja since November last year, and it's helping a ton with his automated emails and reminders. He ran a Bernie-style Facebook ad for engaged couples, and he had a huge success with that. He's got his first shoot this weekend. He's using ProSelect now and started doing their training. And this is the one that really stood out to me. He started advertising on Bing after the interview that I recorded on Bing ads on top of his Google ads. He paid 15 euro and he got a 75 euro bonus from Bing for trialing their advertising platform. It's already brought him in two great leads so far and he's only spent 20 euro per week in that time. So if he's got two great leads, if they become bookings, that seems like a, a totally untapped platform to me. I don't know any other photographers that are utilizing Bing ads. I know a, a ton of us are using Google ads and Facebook ads, not many using Bing ads. So if you can try them out, get a bonus like Sven did, it's definitely worth a try. And there's a, there's a podcast episode that steps you through exactly how to set up your Google ads and also your Bing ads. He goes on to say some other things that he's been implementing. They're all doing well. He's got a lot of things happening, but he's excited for the year ahead. 
And Sven goes on to say that he started his business to simply pay for expenses, but since the end of last year, he's changed his focus and he's doing everything within his reach to become a full-time pro. That is awesome. I, um, I told him I'm looking forward to having him on the show as an interview guest, hopefully by 2021, if he's able to make the jump to full-time pro. So looking forward to that one. PhotobizX.com. Real advice, real strategies, and real ideas to build your photography business. Alrighty, we're going to jump into this interview with Yakov Smart. I've got to tell you up front, I felt like I was out of my depth here talking about LinkedIn. I, I can usually wrap my head around most concepts, most marketing ideas, and get the very best out of my interview guests. I don't know if you're going to notice that I felt like I was struggling a little bit in this interview with Yakov. He did everything he could to answer my questions. So I feel like it was me that was letting the side down this time. Have a listen. See if you feel the same way. I'm happy to add Yakov into the members Facebook group. And of course, if you listen to the free version of the podcast, there's a comments area at the bottom of the show notes. So if there are things I didn't ask Yakov that you wish that I would have, please post those questions. I know he'll be happy to come back and answer those. Uh, honestly, I'd love to hear your feedback on today's episode. Did I ask the right questions? Would you have liked to have heard other questions? Did I go deep enough? Give me a feedback, lay it on me. Let me know how I could improve if you feel that I could have with this interview. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is the founder of Linked Lead Enterprises. It's a consulting firm that helps business owners attract dream clients using LinkedIn. He's also the author of the book, Disrupting LinkedIn, which focuses on generating leads, receiving referrals, and attracting clients through marketing on LinkedIn. Based in the US, he has clients around the world, and he's helped thousands of people discover a new way of using LinkedIn to grow their businesses. I'm talking about Yakov Smart, and I'm wrapped to have him with us now. Yakov, welcome. Hey, really glad to be here. Appreciate you for having me, Andrew. Mate, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. For the listeners that aren't using LinkedIn, is it a social media platform that's applicable to everyone in business? Well, I think that's a great question because just about everybody in business these days has a LinkedIn profile. I mean, you'd be remiss to find people that don't have a profile. And then the question becomes... What's the application in terms of generating new business, right? Because I think a lot of business owners have a LinkedIn profile just as a box to check off, right? It's like having a social presence for some people is something they almost feel obligated to do. But the question becomes, is it something any business owner can use to grow their business and expand their clientele? And the answer to that question can be really intriguing because we've got some different types uh, businesses that I know listen to the show and are listening right now and may be wondering the same thing. And I would say you know, there's two aspects that you know I work with people on and that we talk about when it comes to this new way of using LinkedIn. And for most people, it's a hybrid of these aspects I'm about to mention. And there's actually a third thing, which I'll mention too. Number one is traditionally what you would think of as direct lead generation. So going out there and finding an ideal client, connecting with them, and taking them down the path that ultimately leads to a business relationship or a sale. That's direct lead generation, or another word for that is prospecting. And that's highly relevant to more of a B2B type of business because that direct prospecting piece is certainly available and it makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people have already at least considered that, if not 
you know, done it themselves, or maybe they've even received those spammy messages on LinkedIn that we all love. I mean, that's something that comes up for a lot of people too. So that's one aspect. The second aspect is a much more strategic aspect and that I personally love and really thrive on and have built you know, a lot of my business off of is strategic partnerships. So connecting with referral sources, people who have access to books of business of people who happen to be your ideal clients. Okay, And so it's something like, for example, we were talking before we aired about a wedding photographer. And naturally, a good referral source for a wedding photographer would be a wedding planner or an event planner or somebody in the wedding space, who knows, maybe even a wedding caterer that's well known. And they could use LinkedIn for building those types of relationships and developing streams of referral. So that's another avenue. The third piece of it, and this is a bit of an underrated aspect as well, is I'll call it visibility and credibility. So the positioning piece, right? Because a lot of people, even if you are in a B2C business or a bit of a non-traditional business, a lot of people, when they Google your name along with your website, one of the first things that's going to jump out at them is going to be your LinkedIn profile. And they'll look you up on LinkedIn because it's the easy thing to do. And you only get one chance at a first impression. So it's important to have what I call the three Ps to an irresistible LinkedIn profile so that you can use it as a platform to elevate yourself, your brand, and your business, not to mention get additional visibility. And those three Ps, just so everybody knows, presence, positioning, persuasion. So those are the three aspects that we talk about. And I think the difference is a lot of people stop way short where, you know, even if they think of LinkedIn as a business tool, they think of direct lead generation, where it's my contention that when strategically used, it almost becomes like a secondary marketing department for growing a business and raising sales and revenue. Right. So there's different listeners tuning in now, and some of them may not even have a LinkedIn profile because, you know, they're mainly dealing with mums and dads or even young couples. And I guess they're not targeting other businesses. So can they still get value, I guess, through the referral source, but with a direct lead gen, or they shouldn't even consider that? The way to to do that for strictly business to consumer, so let's say the topic is weddings, it would be to build a community. So building, for example, LinkedIn group or posting content or, you know, better yet, being able to, for example, they took a wedding photo, right, of a couple. And if they were to post something on LinkedIn, and if that couple was on LinkedIn, then they could access people in that client's network and trigger more referrals and trigger more of that right visibility. So I would consider... That is another opportunity as well, but the best bank for their buck is going to be, you know, accessing those streams of referrals or building a community around their subject matter expertise. Because, you know, another thing that I'm really big on is establishing influence and authority as a subject matter expert, even if somebody, for example, is a wedding photographer, there's, I don't know anything about photographing weddings. I know nothing. I just know that it needs to be done, right? And I think the majority of people, where they start their decision-making process is in the phase of wanting more information, okay? And being able to build a community around a expertise or a specific subject matter can be very valuable as well. In the B2C space, it's a bit of a more advanced strategy but to keep things basic and to most directly answer your question, absolutely there's value. And the other piece that's really intriguing that should be intriguing to people anyway is you know, if it's not a place, if you're a wedding photographer, for example, it's not a place that's well utilized or a platform that's well utilized by other people in your space or other people in your market. So anytime something like a situation like that arises in that context, it opens up the door for 
different types of opportunities and a chance to zag when others zig or zig when others zag, as I call it. You said something there that really caught my attention, and that was, let's say that I photographed a couple that are in business, they have LinkedIn profiles, and I'm guessing they'd have a a network, let's assume they do, and this could be for a portrait photographer too. I photographed a mum and dad and kids. Mum and dad have businesses, they've got LinkedIn profiles. Can I show off the work that I've created for that client and show it off to their groups, their networks on LinkedIn? Is that what I'm trying to do? Yeah, that would be one tactic that you could use. And the way to do that would simply be to post that photo and keep them in the loop because it's one thing to just tag them in a post, but it's a completely different thing when they sing your praises in the comments as well. So absolutely, that's one strategy. And when that happens, you have certain people they're connected to in their networks who happen to see that post. So it's a great way to plant that idea in people's minds and also to be able to instigate additional referrals. Okay, I like that. So I know from experience and for the listener as well, we get a lot of referral work. So if we photograph a wedding, we tend to book weddings from other people that were at that wedding and we're same with families as well. For a total newbie to LinkedIn, what are the advantages of doing, you know, talking about that strategy specifically, posting a, a previous client's work and tagging them and having them share or having their network see it on LinkedIn as opposed to Facebook? Or should I be doing both? Is one better than the other? I would say to do both. And I would say this comes down to you know having a checklist for all the ways you can get referrals from the work you've already done because it's an important part of your business. And if you're going to post on Facebook and maybe even Instagram would be an obvious fit as well. On LinkedIn, it tends to be a bit of a different audience who's paying attention. So you could tag them and have the same blurb or the same wording on all the posts and you would reach different people on all of the different platforms in different ways. Right. So is it going to look totally out of place, me posting wedding or family portrait photography onto LinkedIn? You know, that's a great question because at first glance, I think a lot of people assume that LinkedIn is very stuffy and professional. Yes. (laughs) And what I've long discovered, even though it used to be more of that tone, what I discovered a little while ago is the people on LinkedIn are bored. That, that's been my discovery. They're wanting personality. And, you know, I've seen over the past couple of years how, you know, people really gravitate towards personality-driven content and towards stories. So anytime there's real eye-catching photography that tells something, a story of something as powerful as a wedding, it's going to grab people's attention. So it's completely appropriate. And also a wedding is a big deal in somebody's professional context as well. I mean, relationships are a whole big thing in people's personal growth and development. So it's a good angle. It ties in nicely and it's nicely unique that you're going to get more attention on LinkedIn from that post too. Not to mention being able to have people in that client's network now be able to see it and be reminded that they too are having a wedding or they too are looking for a certain type of photograph. Okay. All right. So Because of that image, that stuffy image that LinkedIn does have, and I know that it's obviously used for business-to-business networking, do I have to be careful? Is there any protocol that I should be following? Let's say I photograph an executive and you know she's high up in her business, in her corporation, in her industry, and I then post a family photo and tag her in it. Do I have to be careful with that or is that okay? 
There's no set rule. I would run it by her as long as she's okay with it and comfortable, which she's usually going to be if it's a good photo, right? I mean, some people keep those two things very, very separate. So it's a personal preference on the person. But if she's okay with that, there's nothing to say that you couldn't or shouldn't do it. I would just definitely check in with that person because you don't want them to be uncomfortable or have a bad taste in their mouth. Sure. Okay, got it. And I know we've jumped sort of straight into the deep end here, but for the LinkedIn newbies, is the idea when we're using the platform to keep people in LinkedIn or are we adding links to take them then to our website? What's the best strategy for LinkedIn? The best strategy is to build a network in a database of people you're connected to on LinkedIn who you're connected with strategically. But it's also is to get them to the website or better yet to opt in through a landing page or better yet to book a shoot or you know, book a consultation with you about their next opportunity, right? So that's the call to action. It's all about getting the right people to take action. And really the profile is a tool and a vehicle for getting people to take that next step, whether it's booking a consultation with you or you know, requesting your portfolio, but it's taking some sort of proactive action that's going to be the next step towards them, you know, eventually doing business with you. So does that happen already from the profile that we create or does that happen from the posts and content that we create on the platform? Well, if you're doing it effectively, it should be a combination of all of the above because the profile is designed in a way to position you as the authority to show your expertise and skills and talent and to invite people to take the next step in either booking a consultation or at least reviewing some of your portfolios on your website. And it should also showcase you as unique because there are, you know, at least where I live, a lot of people who claim to be photographers. So there's having that unique selling proposition, having that unique advantage as well. And that should be prevalent on the profile, prevalent on content that you're posting on LinkedIn. And also in direct messages, you know, you have the opportunity to invite people to take action or to build relationships through direct messaging and direct communications. So those are three different pieces of a strategy that's effective on LinkedIn. Right. Okay. Let's take it back a step. So let's say you're coaching me. I don't have a LinkedIn profile. I'm starting out from scratch. Where do we start? What do we do? The very first thing to do is to have an outcome, is to have an intention behind what's even the point of marketing for your business on LinkedIn. And that comes down to, you know, what product or service do you want to use LinkedIn for promoting, right? So let's say, Give me a specific niche within photography. We can play there. Well, let me ask you then. So let's say you're talking to a wedding photographer, a family portrait photographer, and someone who photographs headshots or does branding for other business owners. Is there one there that stands out that's going to have the most success with LinkedIn automatically? Well, the most direct success is going to be the headshot photographer who does branding for business owners because that's a very direct route. The other two, though, I wouldn't dismiss it because you can access different referral sources and key connections using LinkedIn as well. So one is just a little more direct route to success, but there's routes to success for both. Okay, let's go with the headshot branding photographer to make it easy, and then we'll swing back to the wedding and portrait photographer if we get a chance. Okay. So I'm a headshot photographer, yeah, and my target is other small business owners. Um, Could be larger businesses as well, you know, with up to 50 or 100 staff. And, you know, my business is revolves around headshots and creating branding images for those businesses. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the very first thing, and I'll walk you through what to do, the very first thing is to understand 
who you're wanting to reach, which we're talking about, and to build a profile that's going to be geared towards that person that's going to address maybe some of their frequently asked questions around getting a quality headshot. Maybe they have frequently, I call them FEFs, frequently expressed frustrations around getting a headshot or around branding. And to use your profile as a way of bridging that gap and showing people that you understand, you care, and you're somebody they can trust. Okay, so the very first thing is setting up your profile. There's some key components, your headline, your summary, experience section, and making it flow the certain way that we're talking about. Once you've set up your profile, and feel free to interject if we want to get deeper on any of these, because there's plenty of ground we can cover here. But once you've set up your profile, and let's assume your profile is very much adequate, you know, needless to say, you want to have a great photo on your profile because that would sort of, you know, sort of be a detriment if you did. And you were a headshot photographer for headshots on LinkedIn. But assuming you do, assuming your profile is well positioned and positions use that authority, the very next piece is going to be to go out there and using LinkedIn search, start to find the specific types of people that you want to work with, start to build a targeted list. You can do this a number of ways on LinkedIn. You can search in the free search. You can search by groups. For some people, it makes sense that you have a premium account and do more advanced searches that way. And once you've found those people, what you can start to do is to start to build a network and actually connect with those people and be connected with them on LinkedIn, take them into becoming first degree connections. And then the next piece is figuring out how to, in an authentic way, connect with these people and offer them an opportunity to take a look at your work or better yet, schedule a session. Okay, let's say I'm in a suburb in a city and I want to, for example, target accountants or solicitors, lawyers, because I know that they're frequently moving around between businesses, they're updating their profiles in their businesses when someone new comes on. Do I then search for specific businesses by name or can I search for accountants and lawyers? You're better off searching for accountants and lawyers, and you can see very quickly how even in a specific suburb, you can often pull up a list of thousands of these people within seconds. So you could get as specific as accountants at firms that have 10 or less employees or firms that have 500 plus employees. You can get very much specific or as solopreneurs if you'd like. Right. Okay. So then let's say I've got my list. How do I make that connection without being, or can I be overt and open about why I want to make the connection? Well, the very first, and there's a lot of different strokes for different folks here, but back to the headshot photographer example, it starts with a connection request. So it starts with saying, um, and if you're doing this locally, it's that much easier. It's saying, hey, we know a lot of the same people. Would you be open to connecting on LinkedIn? And then that's the very first question because the very first yes, it's a series of getting micro yeses. The very first yes is getting them to accept your connection request. And most people will accept and, you know, they'll take a look at the profile. And you wouldn't believe how many people and how often this happens if you're doing this at scale, which is the right approach. How many people will go to and they'll say, if your profile is good, they'll say, hmm, okay, I'm overdue for a headshot. Let's check, take a look at this guy. And they can go and they can self-book. That happens sometimes too. So just from the connection you start to trigger that relationship and good things start to happen from the different laws of averages there. Well, let's assume you connect with somebody and you know, you're in the door there. They've agreed to connect with you. It doesn't mean that they're doing business with you or looking for a headshot, right? So then you have to figure out how to nurture that relationship or how better yet, how to accelerate that relationship into something that turns into 
you know, a new client for you. Okay. And there's a number of different ways to do that. I'm a big proponent of multi-step messaging. And there's a couple of different routes a headshot photographer could take. The more of the longer route, yet more rewarding route, but takes more steps that's more advanced would be to create a LinkedIn group around a great personal branding or great headshots and to be able to invite people into that LinkedIn group first before asking anything and building a LinkedIn community. And now you're the person who's the obvious authority on taking good headshots and good branding on LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. So let me just ask you a question, Yakov. So let's say I'm an accountant and I get a request from you, the headshot photographer, to join this group. Would I necessarily say yes? You wouldn't get the request out of the gate. You would get a connection request first. Right. Okay. So and you would say, so I would go then, if I'm an accountant, I'd go and check out your profile and say, hey, this is Yakov. He's a headshot photographer. It looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like an authority. Mm-hmm. So I would agree to connect with you. So now we have a connection. And then is that when you would follow up with? starting this group. Yeah, that's when I would follow up and it's an invitation to join a free group around a topic that you'd be interested in and you know inviting you into the group. And this is just one approach. There's, you know, we work with people and I call these micro funnels, right? Because there are multiple steps. And as you can imagine, get a little more complex, but you know what it's this is one of probably 20 different approaches to be able to take. But yes, if you're going to build a group, that would be the very first step and then consistently following up almost like a drip campaign with samples of your photos and with MPS. If you're looking to update headshots, here's what we have. Let's do that more subtly. Right. So this drip campaign, is that happening within LinkedIn and articles or messages, or is it going to email once they've opted into something? It's happening within LinkedIn messages. And certainly when they opted an email, that's a a little bit of a different topic. The other great thing about this is when they're connected with you and you're posting, which for photographers, this is important, posting examples and constantly staying top of mind. It's a great way to have them say, you know what, this person is the one that comes to mind when it comes to getting my headshot. And lo and behold, they're omnipresent. They're everywhere. So that's another thing, another big perk of posting. So there's multiple ways to make these touch points, but you can set it up and there's different automation softwares out there as well, where you can set this up where there's, you know, you can take people through multiple steps inside of LinkedIn and almost becomes like sending emails within LinkedIn. They, you know, ask the right questions and get people interested in raising their hands. Got it. Okay. So with LinkedIn, so that I've got my group and I'm starting to invite people to join this group, these first connections. And I write or put together a post on a recent headshot shoot that I did for another local accountant. Do my contacts automatically see or my connections automatically see that post? A portion of them. And the LinkedIn decides that, you know, they've got a built-in type of algorithm that distributes content. But a portion of them would. And what's really nice about this, too, is... Right after somebody connects, what typically happens is the likelihood of that content being in front of them goes up on the immediate connection because LinkedIn wants to know if they care. And if they spend some time engaging, giving it a like, a comment, or a sharing, or even you know, looking at it for a certain period of time, LinkedIn is going to be more likely to continue putting your content in front of them. So it's developing and seeing what the affinity is between your content and them. Got it. Okay. So very similar to Facebook in that regard. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's similar to how the old term way back in the day was called edge rank. And it's, yes. it's not quite like it used to be, but um, LinkedIn had its own variation. Okay. 
So then staying with that theme of building this group, I'm inviting people, my connections into this group. When I've started that drip campaign, is that going out to the group or to each person individually in the group? It's going out to people individually and they don't necessarily have to be in the group. But what's great is if you are doing additional follow-up, you can segment that list through the group. So where that becomes valuable is you can have it set up. Like imagine, you know, you go out and, and during the course of a month, you go out and you make 300 new connections who are business owners in your city or just suburb. Okay. And you can have all 300 of them on, let's say a five-step type of campaign that's automatically triggered and where it's pretty much set and forget it, where you don't have to do anything until they reply that they're interested. Can I do that all within LinkedIn or do I need additional software to do that? There's some additional software out there and there's a couple that are very, very good. What you need to look for though, is you want to make sure that they're cloud-based because it's a great area within LinkedIn. Technically, you're not supposed to be doing that sort of automation. If it looks like automation, there's a very fine line in making sure your messaging and your approach feels authentic and is relationship-based. But let's say that it is, okay? Then the key thing is making sure that you're using a software that's cloud-based and that you're staying within, that you're not going too crazy with it. So you're not, you know, trying to send out a thousand connection requests a day. Mm -hmm. So if you're actually trying to create connections automatically as well, or are you still doing those individually? Oh, that entire process can be automated from (laughs) connection to different messages. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this rabbit hole that we've sort of gone into, is this advanced stuff or pretty much this is what anyone and everyone can and should be doing with LinkedIn? You know, creating these connections, creating a group, running a drip campaign. I think it's advanced to most business owners and most photographers because there's not that level of awareness. And I think where it gets more advanced and where the nuance comes in, where a lot of people want to work with us is... You know, what in the world do you say, right? Because wording is everything here and positioning is everything as well. So that's where we get into, okay, so the basic concept is multiple steps filling that funnel of prospects, for instance. But what to say to them, but how do you get them to actually enthusiastically respond, which is a whole different type of rabbit hole. But the framework is, you know, I don't think in business history, there's ever really been anything quite like this, where you have an opportunity to go out there and meet 100 people a day, or you have the potential of meeting 100 people a day who are potential clients, and have automation start to build those relationships. And where you come in is where somebody raises their hand and they're interested in working with you or has a specific question. Something like that, to my knowledge, has never existed. And it doesn't require an ad budget. It's a direct person-to-person connection that's done at a one-to-many type of bubble. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So this isn't anything to do with advertising. This is all your automation that you've set up with this cloud-based app. Yeah, it's all organic. Yeah, so no ad spend required. So let's say I'm running this drip campaign, this funnel. What happens? Does someone respond? Is it like an email where someone responds and, okay, then I segment them when we start having a one-on-one conversation about the possibility of a shoot? Exactly, yeah. And you have some of the software, there's a dashboard where you can see where all the responses are. Okay. Is there a particular piece of software that you recommend? I wouldn't say publicly because this changes and I don't want to date this, but there's different ones. I'll give people a more of a framework. I think that would be a better justice for everybody because these softwares, you know, they can change. There's different 
things and policies and regulations. So I'll give people a checklist that's going to be pretty much evergreen. How about that? Sure. Sounds good. Okay. So number one, you want to make sure that the software is cloud-based. If it's a Chrome extension or a browser extension, it's a no-go. That'll get flagged by LinkedIn. Number two is you want to make sure that it's easy enough to navigate where you can find things. If it looks like it's very technically challenging, it's probably not going to be easy to run or set up. Number three, you want to make sure that it runs without you having to be logged in, where it runs on the cloud and it's run independent of whether or not your computer is even turned on. Okay. Fourth thing is you want to make sure there's some type of dashboard where you can track and you have real-time metrics because it's all about understanding the metrics. Okay. And the fifth thing is, and this is something to self-assess, you want to make sure that you're watching your you know limits on connections, right? Because there's best practices depending on the size of your network as to how many people you can connect with and, you know, how to make sure basically that you're playing in the right sandbox and not getting flagged. So, and the good softwares out there, they sort of comply with those guidelines because they get those as well. So those are the five things for people to look for. And it's just important to also with that, just be very aware of the messaging, how important that is. Okay. So can you share some things about messaging that you think are going to be applicable to us? Absolutely. So, very first thing, short, concise, to the point, and sort of a talking level, right? A lot of people come up with these fancy messages that are very wordy and long, and you want to keep it almost at a fourth grade level. And also, you know, you want to use simple sentences, easy to read. If it looks like it's long and blocky and paragraphy, people just aren't going to read it. Additionally, one thing that could be a good strategy for photographers, you can actually attach photos and examples in your messages. So it could be something to play with. And I would also, you know, think of asking the right questions, right? Asking questions that they might have or questions that, you know, I call these magic questions, right? So, you know, have you ever thought about or has this ever been a priority for you or could, or would it be possible for you to, you know, it's these types of questions. And then staying away from those long, spammy messages, <laughs> right, that are paragraphs and paragraphs long. And also, if you're making an offer, which is perfectly okay to do, to offer something of value, right, whether it's something information-based or, you know, to send them an example or just something that would be of value rather than, hey, if you're looking, here's the direct link to book. I'm Being that direct typically is not as well received. And also to understand that sometimes there's going to be multiple steps there and having multiple steps of the messaging and then being able to respond when people actually respond. Because until somebody raises their hand, yeah, I always say let the automation take care of the rest because you only want to talk with people who are interested and qualified. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this drip sequence, this is what we're talking about. Am I using that to, obviously I want to generate a booking, so I'm going to have a call to action. But am I using this to build authority? Am I using it just to show off my portfolio? I'm obviously asking questions, like you said. Is it meant to be a funnel where I'm directing them to the clincher, which is, hey, if you need to update your headshots, call me now? Yeah, that's ultimately the goal there, ultimately the outcome. But I would you know, look at, again, you can do all those things in your messaging, but you're also building a list. You're building a database of potential prospects. That's very valuable as well, because when they're connected with you on LinkedIn, they're part of your LinkedIn database. You forever have the ability to message them directly and reach them oftentimes on their mobile device. So it's an important thing 
not to miss there as well. And that is the ultimate call to action. But before even giving them the call to action, you want them to respond to something that you have to say and say that they're interested. Right. So is that usually going to be an offer or is it a conversational piece where you're looking for some feedback? It could be a combination of both. But if they're not responding, sometimes it's it's good to put something out there and say, P.S., if you've ever thought about this, we have something special. Here's the link to go and book. Or if you've ever or, you know, something is happening in the season or there's an event coming up, or, you know, it's a reason I like I call it a reason why. Right. So giving you a reason why behind the offer. Right. Okay. All right. Can I be more overt or active in going after particular clients? Let's say I'm making these connections and I can see that some of the connections I'm making with people, they don't have a fantastic headshot on LinkedIn. Can I actually point that out to them and tell them that's what I do? Or is that getting too, is that too pushy, too cheeky? (laughs) I'd say it's too cheeky, but I would, if you're willing to test it, I wouldn't say your headshot sucks. And I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't be over it like that, but I would say, Hey, you know, we've noticed, for example, that you're a CEO of a local company and we have a special coming up for, you know, CEOs in the area. And you know, we're looking for a small handful to be a part of this you know, special package. Let me know if you're interested. That's a little bit of a different way to position it and, you know, add value to it a little bit differently rather than. And web designers do this, too. They say your website sucks. Um, can we... <laughs> we need to fix it, like that's typically meets some resistance. But doing it the other way is, you know, hey, by the way, I've noticed how great you are and that's why it's something you'd probably jump all over. Yes. Okay. All right. So just be a bit more strategic with that direct messaging. Exactly. (laughs) Got it. All right. So that's the direct lead gen, isn't it, that we're talking about here? This is that step, that first point you made, this B2B Mm -hmm. direct lead gen. What about if we're looking to build referral sources? Are we going about it the same way? Going about it a similar way or being a little bit more nuanced. You know, it's, that's more question asking. We want to get them to enter a conversation. So asking about, you know, what types of clients they work with or something about their profile. And then saying that you might have a couple ideas to collaborate. You want to run by them. And then transitioning that conversation either to the phone or in person because for them to send you business, there's got to be a little bit more of that relationship build. And that's where you can make an offer. It's where that starts to happen. But that's more of a just asking questions and you know, finding out about them first and then, you know, inviting them to see if it makes sense or in what ways you might be able to collaborate. Right. And, you know, I would imagine somebody like a wedding planner, if they're getting a lot of, and I don't know if they are or not, maybe you can fill me in if they're getting a lot of, wedding photographers reaching out to them. They would for sure. So if there's a wedding planner that's getting a lot of bookings, they're popular and they rule the roost because they're choosing the services for their clients. So if I can get on that list and they refer me, that's definitely a win. Yeah. So they'd be open to accepting there might be a little more resistance. So that's where we'd be a little bit more creative. And how do you you know, break past that and get them to respond and want to at least have a conversation? That's where we want to be a little bit bolder or you know, really showcase what makes you unique from all the other 15 photographers knocking on their doors. Okay, so that's when you're going to showing off more of your portfolio and sharing a little bit about what makes you different, what makes you special. And how you can make their life easier. Why it's just easy for them. If you could show them how you can get them more business, 
how you know your how you can market their business and you've got this these different tools and you know how you market them to your clients these are all different things and if you package that up in a sexy way then you know, all of a sudden it's a bit of a different pitch than you know, what other photographers are probably telling them yes okay let's say that i do go in with that tactic and i'm asking about them how i can help what i can do for them uh, how i can make their life better and in your experience is it likely that they're going to really just be ignoring me until they see some results from me I think the very first thing to do is you want to take that relationship off of LinkedIn, right? Because to communicate to some of the things that I just mentioned, it's better to communicate that via the phone or in person. It just it hits home and you have a longer attention window versus just, you know, in a message that can be easily ignored. So the very first thing is to cut through the noise and get them to have a conversation with you. And you, know, you could say, I want to run a couple ideas by you. You have something very unique that you know, allows wedding planners to be able to grow their business through partnering with us and get more referrals. Is that something I, you'd be open to hearing more about? Is that something I can share with you? And it's positioning it in that way. That's the key thing. And then, you know, in that conversation saying, okay, here's what's available. What are our next steps? What would be the best way to, you know, I'd love to have you to at least you know, test this out and see how we can work together. And that becomes, you know, them, seeing what they want, where they're at. And it is a sort of a different type of sale, but at the same time, that's the approach there. And oftentimes, you know, if you're getting what quality wedding planners, referral sources, if they're really the stars in the area, then you're probably getting just one or two, you would be solid if they're really the right wedding planners. You know, it takes more depth and a little more effort generally, but at the same time, the payoff can be tremendous. Yeah, for sure. And I love the way you said, you know, take the conversation off LinkedIn, off social media and go and have that in-person conversation because that's really where the relationships are sealed, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Just let me take you back to the headshot, say, slash branding photographer. And you talked about creating our groups and these connections. Let's say I'm looking for accountants in my local area and other small businesses is it very clear that I'm speaking to the right person on LinkedIn or it, you know, it could just be a staff member there, whereas I want to be speaking to the marketing manager, for example? Is that all very clear on LinkedIn, who I'm actually talking to? Absolutely. You want to go straight for the decision maker. I'm big on the top-down approach. So it's person-to-person, very clear. Now, could somebody have their assistant managing their profile? Yes, that's a possibility. At the same time, Oftentimes, even if that's the case, they have the app on their phone. So you can still reach them directly and they'll still see your message. Right. How often are you using direct messaging? Personally? Yeah, you, yeah. I am using it extremely often. I mean, I have something automated where, you know, I'm reaching out a connection request about 100 people a day. What? <laughs> okay. So you're using one of these apps and it's going out there searching for you 100 a day. And are these actual personal private messages that people are receiving or is it just, you know, like a a simple message to connect? It's a message to connect. And then after they connect, they get a personal private message. And that message inspires a conversation depending on that audience. Sometimes there is an offer there to request something for free that would be of value. Sometimes it's asking them what I call magic questions to stimulate the conversation. Sometimes it's inviting them into something. And sometimes it's a little bit in between. So 
it's constant. And what's great about it is, you know, I personally, I don't spend much time manually doing upkeep at all. You know, I have somebody I work with on my staff and she will go in there for a few minutes every day for the upkeep part. But personally, you know, between us, we're not spending more than 15 to 30 minutes a day. And if that, and it's a consistent way of, you know, prospecting and increasing lead flow without having to manually do anything. I mean, there's never been anything like it. (laughs) That's incredible. Okay. So if I get a connection request from you, does that show up as a private message? That shows up under connection request. You're going to see a connection request for me. You're going to see a couple of different things. You're going to see my photo. You're going to see my headline and you're going to see my name. Right, so I'm going to see your name, your photo, and the headline is, for you, I can see I have it on my screen now. So that's author of Disrupting LinkedIn, who else wants a new way of attracting hard-to-reach clients and referral sources. So that's your, that's the headline? Mm-hmm. That's my LinkedIn headline, yep. Okay, so I'm going to see that. I'm going to accept. So then I get the message. Does that have a personal feel to it, or do I know automatically that that's automated? Well, if it's written effectively, then it should have a personal feel to it. However... Like if you sent me a connection request right now, for example, and I accept it, or if I just sent you one manually, because I still do that from time to time, you wouldn't automatically receive any follow-up. Unless I queued you up in the system, then we would just be connected. And I could put a different campaign out there and direct message you differently if I wanted to. Right. But if I'm on the automated system and your automation parameters targeted me and I saw your request, I accepted, then I'm going to get a follow-up private message. And that's going to be one of these ones to take the conversation to the next level. Do I know that's automated or not? I hope not. Um, not if it's written. So does it have my first name, for example? Like yes, can, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So with the apps that I'm using, I can use it like email. I can use my first name only and it feels personal. Exactly. Yep. I guess you would have it set up so it doesn't come immediately. Otherwise it would feel spammy. It would feel automated. Yeah. You can do a delay on it. Absolutely. Right. Okay. What's the best way to learn this stuff? I mean, I know like you're going to be piquing a lot of interest from listeners. You know, is it your book? Is it going to YouTube? Is it just getting in there and having a go? How do we learn? Yeah, absolutely. A good question. So I would not go to YouTube because there's a lot of stuff on YouTube that might be misleading or outdated or, you know, because anybody can post there. The book was, is a good introduction. It was written back in 2016. So it's, or, yeah, was it 16 or it might have been 17. But there's been a ton of changes even since the book. I'm actually going to be updating it sometime in the near future as well. But the best way would be to either attend one of our events. I mean, we do discovery days pretty much worldwide where somebody can come in and bring their computer in. Really, it's an eye-opener. Some of the things that we talk about, it's one thing to hear about them, but it's another thing to see real-life examples. And we do hot seats where we take business owners and within a matter of minutes, start pointing them in the right direction of how they can start to substantially grow their businesses using LinkedIn. So these events, the Discovery Days, they happen worldwide. And attending one of these events is a great experience and a great introduction into what's possible and a great opportunity to get started. And then also online, you know, if you go to our website, linkleads.us, you know, we've got a number of different things. We've got a case study on there or a number of case studies somebody can access to be able to sort of see 
what's available. Then beyond that, the most turnkey and easiest ways are to work with my team and I directly, or we have entire on-demand training programs that are fully recorded on demand, transcribed, ready to go, that walk people through the system step by step. And the great thing about this, which is such a big thing for business owners, it's set it and forget it very much. Once you have a system like this in place, there's testing and refinement. But, you know, once you set up the technical stuff, the system, the messaging, the list building, which, you know, we cover extensively, then you're well on your way and you've got a consistent lead source or a consistent way of going out there and generating leads or referral sources that sort of works on its own. You know, it's almost like having a salesperson on your team or a prospecting or biz dev type of person working for you who you're not paying a salary to and who happens to be very, very good (laughs) at finding the right people and getting them to respond. That sounds cool. Okay, so what are the costs involved in doing something like that where I can do the on-demand training? I guess I've got to buy an application to run the things that you're talking about. Are they big expenses? Yeah. So on the tech side, I recommend clients use a LinkedIn premium account. As we're talking right now, that's 85 a month. And that's a sales navigator subscription. Then the automation softwares, they vary. There are softwares that are as low as 49 a month. And there are softwares that are as high as, well, there's one that's 597 a month. But I mean, there's a wide range for most people at 49 a month, you'll get everything you need and more. And then as far as our programming, prices on those vary, and we have different promotions on those as well. The discovery days, um, those events typically retail for anywhere between $297 to $497 US dollars. However, anybody listening to this, especially as people are are listening, we're going to have some events coming up, one coming up in Melbourne and more than likely another coming up in Sydney. And as a gift, they can go and attend that for free and start you know, the process and see what's possible for themselves. So that's what's available. And for those listening to the U.S. or traveling to the U.S., that's where we're, I'm based out of Scottsdale, Arizona, and that's where we do most of our events. But the easiest way, if you have specific questions, and Andrew, I think this is the part, and forgive me if I'm throwing this out a little bit early, but if somebody has specific questions, they can simply shoot me an email. It's yakov at linkleads.us about which program is right for them or about you know coming to one of our events or continuing to stay active or anything at all. And I'm glad to you know, at least point anybody who's listening to the show in the right direction for you. Fantastic, man. I appreciate that. That's great. And thanks for that generous offer too. For the Aussie listeners, that's amazing. For the listeners that can't make one of those live discovery days, are there recordings of those or can we see an example of what's actually possible, some of the things we've been talking about online with your training? Yeah, the training is entirely recorded on the website. We're working on getting new things up there too. We've got some good case studies that we're putting up there as well. So it's another way to take a peek. And you know, sooner or later, there comes a time where you know it's getting your hands a little dirty and being willing to roll up your sleeves and you know take that first step and then continue to stack strategies and continue to get it better and better. Right. And for the, let's say, the headshot branding photographer who is business to business, I know you're not spending much time, but how much time would you say someone has to invest to sort of get a bit of a grip on this? And then secondly, how long should we expect to be waiting to see some results if we put the work in? Yeah, so fortunately, I mean, 
we, if somebody goes and tries to figure it out on their own, I mean, that could take literally forever because <laughs> they take the first step and they'll get frustrated and not do anything. But fortunately, you know, we've got resources available and you know, those resources, you know, the setup, it's really a matter of if you really know what you're doing or if you have, you know, so the messaging honed in, it's a matter of, you know, setting it up. Usually that takes, and that depends too, because not everybody's a copywriter and wording. We have different templates and different things. So there's a big variance on that amount of time. But once it's set up, that 15, maybe 30 minutes a day, the upkeep is minimum. And, you know, 60 and 90 day window days so if somebody were to go out and if somebody just absolutely did a horrendous job of this right and they went out there and all they did was send 100 connection requests over the course of 30 days right or even you know let's say they just did weekdays that's 2400 connection requests out there let's say just you know for simplicity's sake let's say just 25 percent accepted okay so that's 600 new direct connection decision makers in your database, if you will, getting messaging and marketing and correspondence and relationships. And even just just playing the numbers game, you're pretty much bound to get one or two or three or four or five bookings. And that's if your strategy isn't that great. Yeah, right. Okay. So it doesn't take a lot for this to pay off if you do it correctly. Exactly. You mentioned upkeep a couple of times here. I know you've got people helping you with that and you suggested that we're going to have to do that. What is the upkeep? Is it deleting stuff? Is it checking things are running smoothly? What is the upkeep? It's checking things that are running smoothly, updating the list, being able to, when somebody responds or has a specific question or has something specific, being able to respond to them manually if you need to. So that's, and then posting the content and having content frequency as well. Right. Okay. So you're producing content, which you can use on other platforms at the same time and repurpose it for LinkedIn as well or vice versa. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I know you talked about spending 15 to 30 minutes a day for running this process or these processes. What about for you personally? Like how often are you logged in and checking LinkedIn? And are you using that, say, like someone else would use Facebook? Are you using both and Instagram, for example? Well, personally, I mean, I use Instagram very sporadically. I recently got back on it. But as far as, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook, too, Facebook is a little more personal, even though I connect with a lot of people that are LinkedIn. You know, I usually have it up. But, you know, I'm definitely not spending a whole lot of time on it. And sometimes, you know, I'll get behind for a couple of days and you know, I have to take a peek at everything. But yeah, I mean, my personal time investment may be 15 minutes a day for few different days a week, but everything is, you know, if I want to go out there and if I have a new audience or a new offer that I want to market, like, you know, after our um, conversation today, I'm actually one of the things that's on my list um, to get to is, you know, putting out a new offer out there for something very specific here in the Scottsdale area. And so that's going to take me maybe a whopping, you know, between writing the copy and setting it up a whopping 15 or 20 extra minutes, but it's completely worth it because it's, Again, it's like somebody's going out there and prospecting for me and selling for me, and it's it's wonderful. Cool. Last question. What about for you? Let's say you've got a new haircut, new suit. Maybe you look a bit older than your current profile, and you need to update your profile photos. Mm -hmm. How would you go about doing that? And I'm obviously guessing you're going to be using LinkedIn, but how would you find a photographer personally? Well, and and I'll put this out there to anybody who is – well, anywhere you can reach out, but I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. I've had issues with 
getting good headshots for whatever reason. And oftentimes I've done searches on LinkedIn and work with people. I've done Google searches. So I always look at the visuals, but you know, we know what I've seldom seen that I wish that would sell me, even if a photographer was a little bit of a higher price point is if they understood if they had a process or a methodology for great headshots and they address some of my concerns because, you know, there's the, you know, I've taken headshots before that I didn't like, right? So if they address that head on and showed me why that wouldn't be the case and why they offer a VIP type experience, that would be appealing to me personally and, and very attractive in terms of who I want to work with for headshots because I know there are headshot photographers that are a dime a dozen, but I'd want something that I can use everywhere, not to mention, yeah, the importance of making that first impression. Got it, got it. So if you saw a message pop up in your LinkedIn feed you know, as an offer or a suggestion to connect to a headshot photographer, you would accept that? And then, so what would your first step be? Would you obviously look at their photo, have a look at their byline? Would you go through to their website or would you stay inside LinkedIn? If they connected with me, I would connect. And I would be so impressed that they actually reached out proactively and made me an offer or asked me a question that I would immediately, not immediately, but I would, I would very shortly check out their profile and then check out their website and portfolio because I want to make sure that, you know, they have something where they're, I like their style. And also, you know, a big plus for me is if they already have a studio because outside it gets windy and hair and all those different things. So that would be my process. And then, yeah, that's what I would look for. And so it's a combination of both. For me, I like words. So if I saw messaging that really resonated with me, that would be extremely attractive because if that person gets it, then I'm very interested because I found a lot of photographers don't quite get it or they don't customize their approach based on the client. That's sort of been my experience, but I also like to be to the point as well. And I think there's such a art to taking photos and, you know, even not headshots, even getting good photos when out and about and, or at events. Like there's such a you know gracefulness to it that's potentially out there that somebody conveyed in their messaging that they at least understood that or thought about that. I'd be blown away and I'd instantly be quite intrigued by what it is they have to say. And if I saw the visuals that looked appealing, I would pretty much be all about it. You've given us so much food for thought here, and it sounds like there's so much opportunity available to us in ways that certainly I have not even considered as far as LinkedIn goes. Jakob, you've been fantastic. There's going to be a lot of people thinking, wow, okay, let's look into this more deeply. So I've got your website address here, linkedleads.us. That's the best place to learn more from you. Yep, linkleads.us, or if somebody just emails me with the name of your show on the subject line, you know, I have somebody checking email for me, but if somebody puts the name of your show in the subject line, we will take a look at that email and send your response with any questions, or if you like more links about events or programs, we can definitely get those over to you. Yakov, you've been fantastic, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Most definitely. Really appreciate you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Yakov Smart as much as I did. Yakov, if you're listening, again, mate, thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you did. I felt like I was running all over the place with the questions I was throwing at you. I hope it didn't feel the same way to you. And I know there's going to be some follow-up questions after listeners get a chance to tune in and hear what you had to share about LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, and for you, the listener... 
please fire away at Yakov if you do have any follow-up questions. Hit him up in the show notes. You can find them this week at photobizx.com forward slash 353. And of course, if you listen to the premium version of the podcast, I'll add Yakov into the members Facebook group. So you'll be able to hit him up there if you have any follow-up questions. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. It was a topsy-turvy, upside-down episode. I hope you still got a ton from it. I hope it's been helpful. Make sure you check out those resources. And big thanks to Anna Selwyn from Pencil and Lens and also to Chris Scott of Swift Galleries for making those resources available. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting through this with you. Let's stay as, as positive as we possibly can. Let's work together. If you've got tips and ideas, please share them inside the members Facebook group. If you're struggling and you need someone to talk to, I'm here. I know other members are too. Feel free to reach out to me. Uh, if I can help in any way, I, I'm more than happy to do that. Oh, and I should say one last thing. Uh, in last week's episode, I mentioned there was a flash sale on the six-month membership and that was going to be lasting for a few days into this week. I'm going to extend that for another couple of weeks until we hear what's uh, happening with the coronavirus. So uh, if you want to make use of that premium membership, it's the cheapest that you'll ever find it. Uh, I don't normally leave these uh, the membership on sale like I will for this, uh, but I think these are extenuating circumstances. So I'm happy to do that. If you are a premium member and you are on an existing monthly membership and you're jumping over to the six-month membership, uh, if you've already paid this month your $20 uh, membership cost this month, let me know via email. It's andrew at photobizx.com. I'll refund this month's payment. So you can jump from the $20 a month to the $60 for six months membership. I'll refund your payment if you've made one in March already, uh, March of 2020. Happy to refund that for you. You'll have to email me to let you know you've done that. And I'll also need your PayPal email address so I can organize that refund. Hopefully that helps in some way. All right. Have a great week wherever you are. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. enjoyed this episode head to photobizx.com join the conversation leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with andrew and today's special guest 